Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny V. Today, I welcome two children's authors, Cam McIntosh, author of the Max Booth Future Sleuth series, educational writer and book blogger. Max Booth Future Sleuth follows the adventures of 25th century detective Max and his robo-dog. I also welcome Brenda Gurr, an Australian children's author. Her work covers picture books, chapter books, educational material and magazine articles. Today we talk about her novel, The Fabulous Cakes of Zinnia Jakes. Danny, Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day. And, I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, <laughs> Thanks, right. Jack. Yeah, well done. That's so yeah. true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I can edit that bit out. I can do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I'm all this It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, authors Brenda Gurr and Cameron McIntosh. It's a pleasure to have you in today. How are you, Brenda? I'm very well. Thank you for having me, Danny. You're welcome. It's lovely to finally chat to you. How are you, Cameron? I'm great, thanks. Now, today we're going to chat about your fabulous books, children's books, Brenda's book, The Fabulous Cakes of Zinnia Jakes, and Cameron's book, Max Booth, Future Sleuth. They are both mouthfuls of titles, but they are super fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll start with you, Brenda. Can you give us an elevator pitch as to what your book is about? Sure. So, um, The Fabulous Cakes of Zinnia Jakes is a series uh, and the series is about a nine-year-old girl who's a uh, supremely talented pastry chef and she runs a secret cake-making business with the help of her magical cat. So in the first book, she has to make a medieval cake for a university professor and she has to deliver it in secret to a busy fairground. I love that. There's so much in there that I love that we'll unpack later. But, you know, the nine-year-old pastry chef really, really resonates with me because whenever I watch, watch MasterChef with those really young kids, you're like, I don't even know what they're talking about. And they make these amazing things. I'm like, how does that happen? How does that happen? 
Oh, no idea. I'm, yeah, I like to bake, but uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm a bit of a hit and miss in the kitchen. I, it's either a disaster or it's amazing. It's never a five. It's either <laughs> chuck it in the bin or wow, this is great. Yes. What about you, Cameron? What do you like in the kitchen? Uh, I'm pretty, I'm all right as long as I stick to the recipe. Nice. Yeah. Follow instructions. <laughs> yes. even, when I, even when I follow instructions, sometimes it doesn't work. I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> Now, Cameron, can you give us an elevator pitch um, about your book, Max Booth, Future Sleuth? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so uh, Max Booth, Future Sleuth, tongue twister indeed, is um, <laughs> it's a currently five-book series about 11-year-old uh, Max, who is a 25th century detective uh, who investigates items that are kind of very mysterious to 25th century people, but are you know, things that we know from our daily lives or you know from the last decade or two that either you know, the kids reading or their parents or grandparents would be able to talk to them about so in each each book max uh, comes across a different item from this era such as a cassette tape or a, a film reel and he has to figure out what it is and in doing so gets into all sorts of trouble and adventure da, da, da. i love that i love the whole you know it's a whole historical fiction because you write cassette tape you know i don't know how old you guys are but it's very much part of my childhood but you ask kids today and they wouldn't have a clue about <laughs> floppy disks or cassette tapes or the giant mobile phones that we carried around so it's almost like historical fiction cameron it's kind of yeah it is sort of like <laughs> <laughs> historical fiction in reverse or something like that or <laughs> is there an op- yeah the opposite of reverse <laughs> <laughs> I love that. that's really funny though because i think it adds something for the for the parents that read it as well that's that's like that's really what i'm hoping is that it'll actually they provide a chance for the parents and kids to kind of bond a bit you know over memories of these items that the kids may not have seen themselves yeah it's really good um as a parent when you're reading to kids and you're entertained as well and that's so many kid lit books these days they've got so many layers that you can enjoy them as an adult as well as a child yeah it's really important i think because it is it's a shared experience like whether you're a teacher or a student like you, you want the reading to be kind of a yeah something that like you can it, kids and the adults you know it's a shared love hopefully so yeah it's a conversation isn't it between yeah, you exactly. and the child and the book and all the things you discuss mm-hmm. in between i love that idea mm-hmm. now, they're both um parts of a series so i want to know and we'll start with brenda when you're writing mm-hmm. a series i mean you've got the same character but the character i guess has to remain the same in some ways but also has to evolve over those books as well so how did you find what were the the tricks and tips of writing a series Brenda? Yes so yes you're right it is it can be a little bit tricky because you you become very familiar with the character I've written there's actually three books that I've written Um, the second one's just come out so there's a third and I have ideas for the the next ones after that hopefully if they get published (laughs) so you do you have to think about um, I guess challenges that they're going to face and in my book there's a lot to do with friendship and families and creative problem solving so I guess um, while my character I don't intend will get any older definitely she has to start um, 
you know, facing, facing different challenges and um, she has a father that she has a close relationship with, but I sort of intend to kind of deepen that a bit as the books go along and have them working a bit more together. Mm, that's a good point too, because you can deepen the relationships as well as just change the character. But I like what you said about her not aging, which is interesting. It's a bit of a Maggie Simpson thing, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I guess, yeah, some some people do age. I mean, Harry Potter's a classic example, mm. but he gets older book by book. Um, so I guess it just depends what you what you want to achieve. But I, my book, to me, is very much pitched at a particular audience. And if she gets any older, she'll slide out into <laughs> middle grade, which doesn't, yeah, doesn't sort of really fit, I don't think, the premise of the story. And what about you, Cameron? Yours is a series and you're saying five books. How has the series gone in terms of character and relationships and evolving those as the series goes along? It's been a little bit different uh, to Brenda's series in that um, I've written from the get-go. It was always each book was intended to be kind of standalone so you could just grab it off the shelf and not need to know anything about any of the characters or the scenario and just be able to understand it straight away. So there hasn't been that space for kind of development from book to book, you know, character development from book to book. So, but negotiating each new story is the biggest challenge was just finding a new kind of object that I could insert into Max's world for him to discover and, <laughs> and to find something about that object that, uh, that he can kind of crack open in a way. So uh, like in the case of the cassette tape, there was a, some missing uh, some missing music from a, an 80s pop star and, you know, each little item that he discovers um, leads him down an adventure. So that was the, that was the tricky bit, just trying to substitute in the new, <laughs> new item <laughs> that was actually going to be feasible, you know, have the legs to carry him on a whole adventure. Can I say I completely identify with that because in each of my books, uh, Zoe, who's the her alias is Zinnia Jake. She has to create a different cake every. <laughs> so I know exactly what you're talking about. It kind of does the mind evolve around that challenge as well, or that object. Yeah, right. So that's interesting. <laughs> that is interesting, and because you've got an object and a different cake in each of your series, does this drive the storyline? Yes, yes, it does. I guess I when I think up the books, I tend to think up the cake first. <laughs> um, so for example, like I was saying in the first book, it's a, it's a medieval cake. And her problem is, is that because she's making it for a university professor who, who specialises in medieval history, she decides she's got to make it authentic. So she has to use authentic ingredients and, um, and that kind of thing in the cake. So that then gives me an idea for the Hot, uh, you know, oh, this gives me a problem. How is she going to find these ingredients and, and that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, so it does. It, the cake dri does drive the plot in my books in this series. Mm. I love that. And it, it's a similar experience for you too, Cameron, with your object. Very much so, yeah, because each, I think, as I said earlier, each object contains some kind of mystery linked to, to our present day. And so, um, uh, yeah, Max goes on a little journey in each one to f kind of dig a bit deeper into the object. F like if, like there was one, one book selfie search. That's a, that's a, um, an old mobile phone full of uh, selfies of some guy from, <laughs> from out here and he just tries to find out who it is. And um, yeah, but um, in terms of plot in, you know, in, in, in his quest to find out more about these objects, 
uh, he often runs into people who are greedy adults, essentially, who want to take credit for his discoveries. And uh, so, yeah, but I mean, each each um, object really does sort of set, set the trajectory for each story. Mm, interesting. I like that. Now, so many kids' books these days, like we we're talking about, they have different layers and they can be read, you know, in different ways for adults to enjoy and kids to enjoy. But as 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 well as the fun that goes along with it and the lightheartedness and the hope and the heart and all that, there are often some, you know, important issues that kids can read into these books if they want to. And I know in your books there's friendship and there's family and there's history. What was what were the issues that were important for you to explore in your book, Brenda? Um, I, when I wrote the series, I, I really wanted to make the main character a very strong character, like quite independent, um, a creative thinker, that kind of thing. I wanted her to be quite a role model, particularly for girls, I think, in that she's, you know, she's running her own business and she's got that spy element which I really like um, about her in fact I, I love anything to do with spies and I wanted something <laughs> I just wanted to make a twist on it but I, I quite like that um, yeah and also in the book I mean you mentioned family but it is it is important in these books I think that she has I guess quite a, a slightly unusual family situation where her mother has passed away uh her father is like a an international food critic and he's overseas so uh, zoe lives with her aunt so she's always constantly juggling this i guess this sorrow that she has for her mother but she also has a link with her uh still through her recipe books because her mother was also a pastry chef um yeah and like i said she's got quite a close relationship with her dad but he's not always around so she's always juggling these things and i was just hoping that you know the kids would see that you know families are all different and uh some of the ways that zoe copes with the situation too hopefully uh, kids it resonates with kids too yeah it's so important to show different types of families existing isn't it to sure, normalize yeah. it for all the kids Absolutely. with all their yeah because families yes. can be so different yes for everybody Definitely. that's right uh, cameron what about you what issues were important for you to explore in max booth future sleuth yeah, well, the biggest one, I mean, not that I wanted to be too heavy-handed about it, but, like, I did want the books to also be an avenue to talk a little bit about social inequality and kind of, uh, I guess, you'd snobbery in a way, because um, in the, the world of Max, um, like the city he lives in, there's a very kind of sharp kind of divide between haves and have-nots. So the have-nots have all been kind of vanquished to these floating suburbs called skybergs that float above the rest of the city and uh, you know down on the ground is where all the wealth is and uh, and like max often encounters a bit of snobbery as a result because people can kind of pick him as a skyberbian from what he wears and things like that so he's constantly being judged and people think he's uh trying to steal things and things purely on that so yeah i'd it was just a, an extra layer I kind of wanted to have in there a bit. And Max is an orphan as well. So I wanted, it was just a, um, another kind of challenge for him to have to overcome as a kind of a, a future street kid, I guess you could call him. Mm. 
Mm, no, I think they're so important to have in, in books. And, you know, like I said, kids can enjoy them without thinking about that stuff or you can dig a little deeper. So, you, you know, you've got that balance of entertainment and then, you know, picking out social inequities or things that are important or they may encounter or might see in their lives. So that's what I love about kid books, kids books. They can be read on so many different levels. Now I'm going to talk about writing process. Um, I have discovered throughout all these interviews that there is no correct writing process. There is no same writing process for everyone, which is both wonderful and terrifying because sometimes you think, geez, I wish there was just a step, you know, to get from A to Z, but there isn't and everyone does it differently. So um, Brenda, what's your writing process and does it or has it changed with each book you've written? Uh, yes, I, I, I agree with you. Everyone you know, sometimes I go to schools and talk to kids about writing process and I always make the point, everyone is different. <laughs> everyone thinks differently. You have visual thinkers and, you know, people that think more in words. And so you do always have to experiment, I find, and work out what, what works best for you. Um, my process, um, to my great disappointment, I just so you've probably heard of plotters and pantsers, <laughs> you know, pantsers, people that just, you know, are able to just sit down and just write, you know, and just feel their way through a story. And I would so love to be one of those people, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just not, I'm, I'm, I'm a Virgo star sign and I have a Virgo way of doing my writing process. I'm very much like to, you know, have a, have a synopsis written down. I like to know what the ending is, I like to interview my characters, I like to have everything set out before I write the book or I just completely freak out. So, so that's, that's my current style. Uh, but I always do start by scribbling. I always start with pen and paper. I find that's really important to get the creativity flowing. It's always a nice thing to do and it's not as scary as staring at a blank screen. So that's always my first step. But then I go straight into the synopsis and, and getting a, a structure down a first. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And what about you, Cameron? Yeah, I think I've got quite a lot uh, in common with Brenda on this one. Mm -hmm. um, I tend to start with uh, a synopsis, you know, as, as detailed as I can make it uh, with leaving, a, you know, I need to leave a little bit of uh, latitude because it invariably kind of goes off track <laughs> along the way anyway. But, uh, yeah, as long as I know where I'm starting, the main kind of, uh, I guess, plot points I have to hit along the way and and how it needs to resolve, uh, yeah, I get that down. And then usually, uh, lately I've found that it's so much easier to just, I dictate my... Um, instead of actually writing the first draft, I just dictate it into my notes app on the phone. Wow. Um, I don't think the, I don't think the quality's as good initially doing it that way, but it's a way to just really kind of quickly get the words down and then I'll come back to them and make them a bit prettier later on. But mm, oh, that that's how I'm really doing it. really interesting. And um, how often does it get the words wrong and you go back and you're like, what was that sentence? <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, uh, yeah, pretty much every <laughs> second sentence is some ridiculous <laughs> error. But as long as I fix it 
you know, within <laughs> within a day or something and I know what it's supposed to be. It's usually not too bad to deal with. <laughs> wow, that's insane. I love that. I love all the different processes and that's why I always ask because someone always comes up with something I've never heard before and I'm just thinking, you know, I fight with Siri on a daily basis and I'm just thinking <laughs> if I relied on her to write anything for me, you know, it would be something <laughs> I would never understand afterwards. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> it would be. It's like, can you um, ring this person and they ring the total opposite person? I yeah, yes. I think too, it's interesting you talking, Cameron, about like dictating stuff because while I don't do that, I always read aloud my books to myself, particularly the dialogue. Yeah. I always find that's really important. So that reading aloud, especially in kids' books, I think is, is vital. I, I find it is. That's something, yeah, I think that's that's something we, we should all be sort of, in any writing class, we should all be like told <laughs> almost compulsory. If you're going to write, you must read it out loud because the things you pick up, the rhythmic things and just, yes. especially, yeah, especially as you say in dialogue, Brendan, dialogue. Yes, really absolutely. kind of shows the little kinks up. It's so important to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. And especially like you said with kids' books because often they are read aloud by an adult or by the kids themselves. Mm. And so it's interesting to hear the, the rhythm of, um, or, you know, the, or the poetry of the words when they're read aloud. It's so different to when you're just reading them very quickly in your head. Yes, absolutely is. Now, why did you choose to write for children? We'll start with you first this time, Cameron, because otherwise you're getting a lot of thinking time for these questions. We'll, know, give, Brenda, yeah, we'll, we'll give Brenda some thinking time now. <laughs> <laughs> why, did, why did you choose to write for children? Uh, look, I think in a way, I won't say it was an accident, but it kind of fell into my lap in a way because I started my kind of publishing journey started as an editor um, for an educational publisher editing readers basically and mm. um you know and i was looking for a way to kind of extrapolate that into writing and so that was when my first opportunity came so the, yeah the first several books well every book i've had actually has been <laughs> for kids so far and uh you know the, the fact that it's worked out that way has been a, you know just a kind of a blessing i guess because I mean, it was always something I wanted to do anyway since I was a kid to write for that age group anyway. I think there's a bit of you that you never lose, you know, and you can always kind of tap into from, you know, your 10-year-old self. So to be able to just do that kind of for a living is just, uh, you know, I feel really, really lucky. Mm, absolutely. And what about you, Brenda? Why do you write for children? Yeah, I agree with that last statement of Cameron's. It is it is a wonderful thing to write for kids. I, I can't imagine anything better. I, I have tried occasionally to write for adults and I just I just find I can't do it. And I don't I'm not even very good at young adults. Um and I've decided that I think my my inner self, I'm ten. I'm ten years old. <laughs> and it's really funny because I, I edit for a picture book publisher and the first time you know, we had a conversation. I, I confessed to her. I said, "Oh, yeah, I, my inner child's ten. And there was a there was a pause, and she said to me, "I'm six. <laughs> 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 so I don't know. I'm just. I've always just. I mean, I loved reading as a kid, but I think I've always just enjoyed reading children's books. I think they're just they're wonderful. Um, they're and I think it's so nice to write for kids because. Um, sort of books become part of a child's life 
and and they they inform their values and their you know the, the way that they think and things like that you can have such an influence and I, I always like to think you know when my books go out into the world and get published that hopefully somewhere there's a child somewhere who's read that and you know maybe it's made them a bit braver or maybe it's you know made them be more compassionate or, or something like that there's always that little hope when you send it out um yeah so I, I think that's that's why I like to write for kids mm, that's lovely and it is when you look back you know if you were a reader when you were younger and most writers are and mm. prolific readers are now too but going back there's it's always very special those things from your childhood so it really does lead us to the next question of um Cameron who are your favorite children's authors past or present oh well um well, I mean, from when I was a kid, I was huge into like <laughs> Dr. Zeus, and I loved my role, Dahl, as who didn't. Yeah. But um, uh, but of current authors, I really love Sean Tan, and um, I love the Tom Gates books. Um, oh, and I read, I look, I read a lot of YA too. So we've got so many amazing authors, mm, Australian too. YA authors. So lately I've been reading Erin Goff and Sue Lawson uh, and I've just started uh, Wilka Starkus' book and, yeah, it's just, it's, a, it's almost an embarrassment of riches in this country. <laughs> right. Now yeah. we have some great children's and YA um, novels and writers in this country. We're very lucky. Yeah. Brenda, what about you? Yes, I, I mean, I read, I read a lot of kids' books, um, so I've got a lot of authors that I really love. Um, I think... One of my favourite authors as a kid was Judith Kerr, who wrote um, When Hitler Stole Pink Rabbit. Mm -hmm. And that, that was one of the books. I've still got it, the tatty sort of copy <laughs> with the cover half off. That I, I, I loved that book so much. And I just, I learnt so much about, um, you know, the World War II and, and Jewish people and the treatment of, of, of them in, in World War II through the eyes of this nine-year-old girl. And um, I think she's a wonderful writer. Uh, and I, I love, still love historical fiction and Jackie French is someone that I, I love reading her book. She has so much depth and, and but seeing history through a child's eyes, she's so clever. Um, but, yeah, I agree with Cameron. There's so many wonderful Australian authors, particularly where kids are very spoilt now. There's such a diverse range of stuff out there. Mm, absolutely. And just hearing you talk about, um, you know, all those authors, it brings you back <laughs> to me as well <laughs> when I was younger too. Now, here's the, here's the question. I'm not sure. I think I'm going to start with you again, Cameron. I'm sorry. Um, right. Here's the question I love to ask people. Why do you write? Okay. Yeah, well, I guess... <laughs> On a personal level, I guess I've always been shy and a bit prone to social anxiety. So writing kind of became my way to make noise in a way to kind of break out of my own head. And but you know, kind of more broadly, you know, just as humans, we need to tell and hear stories to to see ourselves, or at least aspects of ourselves reflected back at us, and to kind of remind ourselves that we aren't alone and that there's more that we have in common than what sort of arti artificially divides us. Um, and I really think fiction, yeah, obviously allows us to walk in other people's shoes and understand people with very different life experiences from our own. So it's, it's just such a vital element of human experience and it's something I just love being in the thick of really. So, mm. yeah. I love both of those answers. I like the really personal one, but I like the broader one too. It's really nice. And I like how, you know, that was your way. I like how you said that to make noise or to be seen. I like that. 
Brenda, what about you? Why do you write? Yes, I, I identify with that. I was also very quiet as a child and didn't like to speak up. So that was my way of putting my thoughts and feelings down. And, and I've got, you know, I think like all writers, you have that bit of zany side to yourself that <laughs> I had all these sort of crazy ideas and things that needed to come out and I <laughs> couldn't say them. So they, they, they went on paper. I used to write for, you know, for fun. Uh, and the other thing about me too is I'm not a terribly quick thinker. I, I don't think well on the spot. Um, I do actually like to mull things over. So for me, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a real outlet of, of still, of, I guess, of getting feelings down. And I guess I go back to the other reason is what I was saying before about um, when you write, particularly for children, I, I really like that idea of that you put something down and send it out into the world. And, you know, people from all over the world or children can, can read what you've written. I think that's, that's really special. So, yeah. Mm, absolutely so for both of you doing these interviews must not be an easy thing right <laughs> didn't hear shivering right now no, <laughs> no you, you've both made it lovely experience it's been great <laughs> but it's that unknown isn't it no i guess i think i like even though it gives me anxiety too just getting out of your comfort zone just pushing out of it a little bit every now and then not too much so, you know, your anxiety goes berserk, but just a little bit here and there pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. That's, that's important for character growth, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes, I agree. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, thank you so much for joining the Words and Nerds podcast, Brenda Gurr and Cameron McIntosh. It's been such a lovely chat to talk to you about children's books, important social issues, writing, and then, you know, you're giving a little bit of a personal insight into why you write. I just love um, hearing answers when people say that because it's very honest and it's very true and I think they're the best answers. So thank you very much for taking the time. Yeah. Oh, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Danny. And it's been really great to get Brenda's own insights into all this too. I've really enjoyed it. So thank you, Ruth. Yeah, same. Thank you, Cameron. It was lovely to hear your thoughts. And, uh, yeah, thank you, Danny. You've made it. It was a very easy experience. So, so thank you very much. It was great. <laughs>